Hello, welcome to Digital Nomad Ventures, the podcast for aspiring and experienced digital nomads teaching how to travel the world on a budget. Thanks for joining us. Hello, welcome to another episode of Digital Nomad Ventures. My name's Mike Hope. I'll be your host. Um, today, I'm sitting here with Ryan Black. He's actually based in uh, London, UK. He's an international dating coach, co-founder of Infinite Man, and creator of the Brotherhood online men's transformation program. So this is a little bit of a deviation from our, our normal um, recording, but uh, let's welcome Ryan Black to the podcast. Welcome, Ryan. Thanks for having me. No problem. Thanks for being on the show. I can't actually see anything because the sun's directly in my eyes, so. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> well, luckily that we don't have to worry about that because it's all just uh, virtual. But yeah, so tell me more about what inspired you to become a dating coach. Is this through like just personal experience and you wanted to teach other people? Uh, what inspired you to? So to try and keep that story under 30 minutes, um, <laughs> I, I, I spent most of my, most of my life uh, with quite severe social anxiety, uh, especially around attractive women. And I think I hear you. a lot of guys, yeah, oh, absolutely. A, a lot of guys, I feel actually, a lot of the time, it, it doesn't come down to any sort of like horrific trauma or anything really, really terrible or like a terrible family life or something like that. It's just a few little events when you're young that just really impact you. So a lot of the time, like the difference between a guy who will never worry about uh, you know, getting a date or whatever and, and, and just be fine with it and never have to look into this stuff at all. And a guy who is sort of has really severe self-worth issues and just can never get a date and stuff like that is just like one experience when you're a kid, right? You're like 13 or 14 and one guy asks, uh, whatever the girl to go to like the prom with him. And she's like, okay. And a guy, and that guy for the rest of his life is just like, oh yeah, you just ask a girl out and she says, yes, and it's fine. Right. And that's uh-huh. and a guy who's just as attractive, like everything is the same, like he's not any different, goes up and age 13, 14 goes, oh, do you want to, you know, do you want to go to the dance with me? And she's like, oh, you know, and that guy will spend the <laughs> rest of his life like being like, oh, Starred for life. Yeah. Just like, oh, I'm I'm, you know, I'm ugly and I'm a loser and whatever. Um, and that was basically like I just had I had uh, a few experiences kind of like that when I was like, like 10, 11, 12, 13 or whatever, um, that just made me believe that I just wasn't, uh, I wasn't attractive and women weren't going to like me and I should just shouldn't express, uh, how I felt or if I liked to go, mm-hmm. I should just like not say anything. And just keep all your emotions bottled up inside. Exactly. Like and, the typical stereotype of the man. And I think, um, a lot of the time, um, you know, guys have guys have uh, similar experiences and there's no there isn't really like we learn all this we learn all the stuff in school that's supposedly you know going to make us smart and stuff but nowhere is anything to do with sort of social dynamics or interacting with people or or uh you know how to ask a girl out of a date or anything like that none of that's ever none of that's ever covered so what sure. happens is, is we have a we have a, a generation of guys who's who, um, you know, whatever, do well in school and, and, and get good grades and get a good job and, and, and all the rest of it. 
and their the default setting that school teaches us is if you have a if you have like an issue like if there's a problem then you learn a bunch of information and then you regurgitate that information on an exam or whatever you remember it you memorize it and then you like that's that you win and that's how you'll be successful and so when analytical logical guys like myself have this it's like oh i haven't been taught how to do this okay i'm gonna have to go learn all this material and get all this information and learn every and sort of map out it in my mind it's like so i'll say this and then she'll say that and then i'll say this and then she'll say that and then i'll say yeah. this, and I'll, she'll say that read all say this, read all the books Sure. Right. Read all the books, learn all the pickup lines and all the stuff that doesn't really help. And it doesn't, it doesn't, it, it doesn't work because you they can't. They can see plan. right through that bullshit. Well, also you can't plan, like you can't plan an entire conversation like mm -hmm. that. It's not how, that's not how life works. And all it's doing is it's, is it's kind of, um, it's this need for this need for this, uh, for a feeling of certainty. Like, uh -huh. Oh, everything it's going to yeah. work and everything's going to go how I want it to go. And really it comes down, it comes down to being able to be willing to step out into uncertainty, like to go into an interaction and be okay with whatever happens and just allow yourself to be kind of present in the moment and just like enjoy interacting with someone versus needing to have a whole script so that you will get the exact result that you're looking for. And it's it's turning guys like we were talking about the book, the game before, before we started recording, but uh, you know, that's what's so, so damaging and so bad about uh, you know, stuff like that, which is what most of the material sort of in the community is, is it's teaching guys. It's like, yeah, there's these, there's these techniques that if you do them right, you will make, you will basically be able to manipulate a girl into wanting to have sex with you, regardless of like, what she thinks and who she is and what, like you're just going to be so good that you're going to be able to literally like control people's minds. And it's just a total, it's a total myth. So, so I had the, I had negative experiences. I didn't believe in myself. I didn't believe I was good enough. I didn't believe I was attractive enough. And I would just have to spend my whole life settling for, um, you know, whatever, whatever, you know, girl would, would, uh, would basically settle for me. Sure. And, um, I did all the did stuff. You Go ahead. Do you struggle with being in the friend zone a lot? Because that's something all the I time, all the time. Yeah. All the time. All the time. Typical because again, nice it's like, guy it, syndrome. Yeah, exactly. They don't see as anything like that. Exactly. Like yeah. uh, I would, I would go, like any, any girl who like I managed, like the very rare time I managed to actually get a girl out on some kind of date. Like I'd go insane and like do all the things and like pay for expensive, <laughs> uh -huh. pay for an expensive oh, yeah. and go to sure. like, then go do some other thing and all this stuff and then um but just be so afraid to actually make a yeah. move that by the time i did it would be really like i'd make it into this big deal and it would be super awkward and she'd be like oh yeah. no like i don't i don't see you in that way or whatever uh, i recently went horrible. on a date with a girl that i've been interested in for probably you know ever since i moved to austin about five six years ago and i've always been sort of in, in love with her and so we went out to dinner i found this really nice restaurant i've always wanted to take someone and i ended up we had a great conversation and uh connected with her a lot more on a deeper level and then but then at the end i ended up paying for the whole dinner and i was 
broke, you know, so my, one of my credit cards was, was declined. But anyways, uh, I made it work. Yeah, I did that. But, I did that I shit like all the time. Taken advantage of all the time. Yeah. And it makes you, if that, cause that's the thing, the, the sort of the, the paradigm or like what you're taught is like, be a, be a nice, be a nice guy and do mm. sort of night, do like nice things and be like sure. respectful and whatever else. And then you'll sort of get your reward. And that isn't, that's exactly the opposite of how it works. <laughs> a lot of women claim that they're looking for a nice guy, but they're really not. They want a guy that will take charge and, and, well it's you know you know what you know what it is with that it's that um when women say oh i want the guy to do all this stuff what they're saying is i would want the guy that i'm attracted to to do all this nice stuff right because they Mm -hmm. don't know that they don't know the stuff uh subconsciously that's making them attracted to the guy in the first place oh that's interesting the assumption there is they're coming from the assumption of a guy who I would want to fuck already, I would like him to do these things. Um, and so, and guys misinterpret that as, oh, if I do these nice things, then I'll be attractive to her. No, you won't. Um, so yeah, I, I spent a very, very long time doing all, the, doing all the stuff from the game and the mystery method and none of it, none of it uh, got me anywhere. Um, and then I learned the, uh, the system which I now teach, which is how to uh, meet and attract women in daytime situations, uh, which was called Day Game, who I learned it from the inventor of, uh, basically the guy who invented um, what, we, what we now call Day Game. And that immediately, like very, very quickly kind of propelled me to massive success. And the reason that it, it was did a life that- changer. Um, the reason that it did that is because uh, the stuff that, that he taught me and the stuff that I now teach uh, isn't a bunch of things to go kind of, isn't, isn't technique based. Mm. It isn't technique and, and routine and line and script based like most of the other stuff is. What it is, is like mo- most, of the, most of the focus of it is on identifying the root cause of the reason why guys don't actually have the ability the abundance and the options and the choice and the choices and uh, that they that they would want to have uh, in their daily life, and that's simply because they're not taking advantage of the op- of as many opportunities as they possibly could to meet women. And the reason they're not doing that is because they're not starting enough conversations all the time. And the reason they're not doing that is because they're deeply, deeply afraid and concerned mm. about what other people think about them. Yeah, or well, maybe low, low self confidence as well it's yeah it's it well the thing is is that that the confidence itself is somewhat of a uh, of a red herring actually i don't think it's it's not like confidence isn't something you can give somebody and it's not something you can really teach uh it's something that just naturally happens over the course of uh a a, a bunch of times doing something like the the trick is is that you actually have to be willing to do something a bunch of times and then the confidence will develop. And the problem is, is that most guys simply just hold themselves back from having enough interactions to develop that confidence in the first place. And sure. that, 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 makes comes sense. From, that comes from a lack of indifference. It comes from a, it comes from a, uh, a deep seated uh, need to gain validation and acceptance from others and to avoid sure being rejected and being um being criticized and being judged by other people 
So most okay. guys simply stay in a state of being comfortable and avoiding having people see them and call them out and judge them and reject them. And because that's what our ego tells us is, is what we should do in order to uh, protect us in order to stay, uh, you know, stay alive and stay safe. Uh, and so the trick is, is to identify uh, that and to do things that reduce that ego down so that you are more willing to uh, take opportunities in front of you that present themselves to start conversations with women and then start conversations with people. And the, 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 the interesting thing is, is that um, when I take guys through the stuff and we do, uh, you know, we do things in, in you know, real life, we, we go and we interact with people and we do, uh, do exercises that, that enable uh, guys to achieve what we call social freedom, like the ability to go and, and go up to anybody and express whatever you feel like and not care what the result is, not care how they react to that, not care if they like you or don't like you, not Fear care of rejection. Mm -hmm. And the, what's cool is, is once I, once I enable guys to achieve the, that, that social freedom in that domain, in that area, not only do they go off and have amazing success, uh, uh, you know, with women and, and whatever, get a girlfriend if that's what they want, or be dating lots of girls if that's what they want or whatever. Um, but then they very, very often report, it's like, oh yeah, I'm now, I'm now like living in Thailand and I have this online business and I like quit my job and I told my parents, I, you know, to fuck off and I don't care what they think. And um, <laughs> now That's something I definitely want to talk to you more about. Yeah, and now, that, and now their lives are, are very, very the, the fundamental thing that it does is once you, once you reduce that ego down to the point where it's not controlling your life and it's not inhibiting you, you're able to create the life that you actually want on your own terms. And so the, the, the thing that's really interesting is, um, and why, why that's sort of the focus behind uh, the Brotherhood program that you mentioned at the, at the top of the show, is um, I see so many parallels between, people, uh, between guys that uh, have you know, this seemingly this sort of like dating issue, but it's a much deeper issue. And then uh, entrepreneurs and business owners and stuff like that, because it's, 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 exactly, it's exactly the same thing. The reason, yeah. the reason that most business, the reason that most business owners are um, not hitting the revenue numbers that they want is because they are not generating enough leads. Why are they not generating enough leads? Because they're not putting enough stuff out there. Uh, they're not having enough conversations. They're not. Uh, they're not making enough sales. They're not willing. They're not to, being authentic not and sending. vulnerable. Yeah, exactly. They're not willing. They're not willing to. They're like I. I've never. I've never met. There's one. There's one person I know who emails, who you could say emails too much, <laughs> right? <laughs> One guy, everybody else in the entire world, everybody with a business doesn't email enough. Why not? I'm afraid. I'm afraid of my, of, of, you know, pissing off or bothering off or whatever my, yeah. my list or whatever. Um, I used to blast out an email to all my LinkedIn connections. So back in the day, like a few years ago, they would allow you to export all your connections and get all the emails of everyone. So I would do this like, I don't know, a couple times a month. And of course, you know, people would unsubscribe from my email list, that's to be expected, but I would just keep going and going. But you know, after a while, I, I learned that this is not working. They're, they're uh, not buying, I, they I would have done it, I would have done it every day. Yeah, every day, wow. 
That's yeah. uh, everybody. I've never <laughs> seen. I've never seen. A, I've never seen a business that couldn't ramp up their uh, their email to email every day. Well, I just I've recently tried to do it again, and I put I put um about ten affiliate links in there. I said these are my top software apps to use, and I figured you know if I could get just a few customers to sign up, that would be recurring commissions every month. But through Mailchimp, it was blocked because they detected those links. Too many links. And they're like, nope, send, we won't we won't send it to your subscribers. Yeah, what you want to but do anyway. is send some send them an email that has value in it and say, hey, if you want to download my full list of all the apps I use or whatever, then click here and you get them to opt in and then they, That's get, a good idea. they get that as a PDF with the links in. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. And so, so what I've realized is like this, there's, there's so many parallels cause it's like, uh, mm -hmm. what, you know, why, why are you not hitting your revenue numbers as a business owner? You're even if you, maybe, maybe you are generating a bunch of leads, but guess what? When someone gets on a call with you, you, you undercharge. Right, because why? Yeah, because you yeah, you don't believe you know in yourself your worth. Yourself. Yeah, you don't, you don't give yourself enough credit. Um, or mm -hmm. you don't. Even I struggle with that all the time as a photographer. Yeah, right? a lot of artists do. It's a very common problem. And um, you know, most most people most people are simply not making enough offers. And the only reason that it's not because they don't know how to make an offer, it's because they are afraid of what if I make an offer and nobody buys, or people make fun of me, or whatever it is, like. So That's be it. You're probably never going to see them again anyway. Exactly. So what does it matter? <laughs> exactly. And would, would you say that this, this is another thing I struggle to find like consistent paying clients for my photography business. And I think it kind of bleeds over into the dating world too, because I do know a lot of beautiful women here in Austin. They're very smart. They have their shit together, great personality and everything. But I, yeah, I, I get afraid to ask them out on a date for whatever reason. Like there's, there's this disconnect there. So would you say, would you recommend um, it, in terms of leads and women or wh whatever you want, want to call it quality over quantity, or do you want to look for quantity over quality? Like which is more important or do you want like a combination of the two? That's a very good question. Yeah. I like it. Something uh, I think about all the time. So what I would say is, it's again, it's the same, it's the same in, in, uh, in business as is with women to start out with, you want to get momentum and you want to get traction. So you just want to get quantity. So if I'm starting, if I'm starting a new, uh, uh lead gen campaign, I'm going to focus on, let's just get traffic and get, and make it as easy as possible for people to go, uh, you know, to, to go through the funnel. And then if the application quality is absolutely terrible and, and I'm wasting, I feel like I'm wasting my time hop getting on calls with people who are not qualified for this. Uh -huh. Then I will start to try and increase the quality by looking at, um, what are the, what are the qualification questions that's, that's on, that are on the application to make sure that, um, there's more of them and they, they qualify, they qualify more and filter more people out. Um, to are find the diamonds of the rough. Are there, are there extra steps that I can put in? To also, filter, to also filter them and then look at the traffic sources and the ads and where, where are people coming from and look for, is there a way to increase the quality, even if it's going to increase the cost per, um, the cost per click or the cost per, per lead or whatever. So in the same way, when you're just starting out, what you want to do is you just like in terms of, in, in terms of dating, like what I tell, what I tell my guys is like, after you've done the core skills training and you've got the stuff and you know how to, 
go up and stop a girl and start a conversation and get into conversation and um, you know and get her number and everything like that. Just be doing that as often as you as, as often as you can. Like yeah, like you need as much experience as, as possible. Just now. do it. Just do it a lot. Um, Practice and perfect. You know, if the if if the I I say on the course as well to make sure that we're just constantly doing something. We're not wandering around because an excuse that that comes into guys' minds to to, to that where it's the ego coming and going. No, I'm going to prevent you from taking the action you need to take. Is they'll we'll be walking around, and I'll be like, you know, whatever. Go go say hi to her, and they'll be like, oh no, I I'm not. You know, I'm not like attracted to her or whatever. And they'll make up this thing in their mind of like, oh, she has to be like perfect or whatever. It's like that's just that's just <laughs> that's an excuse to stop happen. you. That's just mm. an excuse to stop you from doing right. it. Right now, we're just going to focus on volume. Um, and then yeah. for the for the three months or so after you, after six max after training, yeah, go out and spend uh, you know a good bunch of hours uh, like you know going walking around a mall or or the area like here we have Oxford Circus, which is where um, all the shops are and there's tons of people milling around. Like go around there specifically to walk around and try and speak to as many people as you can. Mm-hmm. But the goal is is after that period of time when you've once you've done the volume and you're pretty you're pretty solid in the interaction is to just go about your life and do what you do. And then, you know, go, go to, you know, go meet a friend for coffee and on your way walking to meet your friend for coffee, you happen to see a girl who's really attractive. Boom. You can go up and say hi and you can just integrate it into your normal life. Cause if you keep doing, if you're like every weekend for five years, you're going out to like do day game, you've become a weirdo and that's uh, <laughs> creepy. Um, sure. So uh, would you say you mostly work with more introverted guys or extroverts is like a combination? I would uh, consider myself an ambivert kind of in between. I can transition between the two easily. Yeah. I would, I would say like, I'm, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily totally buy into the whole sort of type of, you know, if you're, if you're whatever, ENTP or whatever, like technically I mean, Myers-Briggs, none. Because those things can, those things can, those things can change over time and you can be, you know, when you say E or I, that's a binary thing, but actually, you know, you can be like 50, you could be like 54% on the side of I and then, Mm -hmm over time suddenly you you move over so you're 54% on the side of on the side of e it's like so i don't put a huge amount of stock in that but i say in general for the most part yes i will work it's not with, an exact science the the most the most common job title uh, of uh, guys that i've worked with over now 8 years is engineer so that can okay. be that can be like chemical or like physical engineer but it can also computer be computer science like, exactly like um you know, uh, in IT tech and, and, and stuff like that. So those so people the traditionally logical. will tend to be exactly, they'll tend to be uh, introverted and mm-hmm. will tend to be, um, very good at, uh, logical, analytical, rational, um, sort of stepwise linear thinking, um, which creates issues. Cause that's, that's a, that is a useful way to think, but it is not the only way to think. And the, the issue comes when, as I was talking about school from before, we get taught in school like that that type of guy, and that was that was me. I mean, I like from 
from about the age of 13 or 14 until 19, basically, I thought like, oh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to be a theoretical physicist. Like that's just, that's like, that's obviously what I'm going to be. Um, and I read everything that uh, Richard Feynman ever wrote by the time I was wow. like 16. Um, and Surely you must be joking, Mr. Feynman. Great book. That's a great book. Um, they're all, it's, 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 it's all great. He was, he was fascinating. Um, and my dad is fascinated by his work too. Yeah. He's, he's brilliant guy. Wonderful, wonderful. Great. And great drum player and great womanizer as well. So just everything, everything I've always <laughs> wanted to be. Um, so, uh, he used to steal his students' girlfriends. He was, no such, way. He was such a legend. Yeah. And they, <laughs> they, and they thank him for it. They thank what? him for it. That's how awesome he was. Um, <laughs> uh, so, so yeah. So I was like, this is like, I was, um, I was, you know, that was very much my type of thinking. And like guys like us, who think we're clever and we're logical and analytical and all this stuff. What we do is we, we have a, like our mechanism for moving through the world and, and, and succeeding in it is just like, okay, well I was at school and I had to take this exam. And I, I, you know, I logically analytically thought about it and I got good grades and that got me to the next good school or university. And then I analytically thought about a bunch of shit too. And then that got me good grades at university. And now I'm at this, uh, many of them, like I didn't use, I didn't use my philosophy of science degree uh, for further than <laughs> after university, obviously. Um, I'm still not using my degree. But, I have a yeah, yeah, well, no one, no degree. one fucking does. No, no one, one wants to hire does. me, so. Um, so yeah, I mean this exactly, and so um, mm -hmm. so we do we use the same mechanism, and it and for the most part, right? Like there's a certain point where it's where it, um, you know where you hit where maybe like you don't get yeah you don't get hired at university, but pretty much that that mechanism of thinking seems to serve us because we keep getting ahead and getting further and doing well and getting getting validation and getting acceptance and you know getting a gold star and all the right and getting an a and we go oh cool i'll just keep doing that and that's my mechanism for that's my mechanism for success and problem solving and then so then repeat then guys like us yeah we go into we go we have like um whatever we see we we, we see i mean i see this i see this all the time um with guys when they're when they're struggling often on one of yeah one of the one of the days or whatever what happens is i see the i see the cogs turning they hit some kind of they hit some kind of wall like they're like oh you know i can't push myself to do this or whatever like, oh i want it i want to go speak to that girl ah oh, and then this think then this it's like a starts. mental block there's this thinking starts and what happens uh -huh. is the only way of thinking the only thing that's at the ever that's ever served you that you've ever done is oh if there's some issue if I think about it, then I'll figure it out and I'll solve it, and that that'll that'll work. And thinking about an issue to thinking about like, a, you know, why why do I have social anxiety? That doesn't help. It only makes it worse. Thinking about thinking about a social interaction logically doesn't it doesn't improve it in any way. Mm -mm. Um, because social interaction is is based almost entirely on emotion. Which isn't logical. Sure, and a lot, a lot, a lot of the logical, rational guys have a lot more, more problem expressing their emotions, which is something that a lot of women are looking for in a guy. So there's this, this, uh, you know, that, that's what makes are it they? different. I, I, I don't so. know. I don't know that. I don't know that expressing 
emotions is necessarily a prerequisite for being attractive to women at all. Okay, women, that's would, women would want, women certainly would uh, want a guy who has a degree of emotional intelligence. Sure, oh so yeah, absolutely. To, you have and to interact listening. with her. You have to listening is super her. important too. If you can listen to a woman, actually hear what she's saying and comprehend it, that will take put you way ahead of the, the other guys. Yeah, it's also way it's way easier to have an interaction where you're mainly listening because you don't have to do anything. That's right. You don't have to say the you right questions you have to keep and saying the, the right answers. <laughs> it's not um, rocket science. So, um, but yeah, the, a, a, a girl suddenly wants a degree of emotional intelligence so that when you interact with her, she, she'll think like, Oh, this guy gets it. And, mm -hmm. um, uh, there's a, there's a level of, there's a level of kind of things like what we call sub communication going on that guys who are very, like very logical and very analytical and like only, only sort of spend time around guys kind of, they just, it just goes over their head. Um, a lot of the stuff that women will kind of subcommunicate. So often women are going like, I just made, I made it so obvious for him. And the guy's like, what? Like I, what? That, <laughs> which again, that was me. That was me. Like, uh -huh. I'm sure there were, just I'm sure there were, up on the social cues. I'm sure there were like, I actually, I, re, I, re, I remember one, I remember one uh, very well when I was like just starting to learn the stuff and I was still absolutely terrible and getting no results. Uh, I was in line at a, uh, at a bar or whatever and there was like a tip jar and a, a dollar fell out of it or something but there was like a dollar on the floor next to me and this like very attractive girl like <laughs> went like pointed to it or like picked it up or something it's like oh is this your dollar that you just dropped and i was like no and she's ah. like, oh, okay then <laughs> and then she walked off and then my friend comes over is like dude what the fuck bro and i was like what <laughs> it would have like, been She's like, it wasn't my, it wasn't my dollar. And he's like, dude, she was, she was trying to start a conversation with you. Like she was flirting with you. And I was like, yeah, what, yeah, really, really me? No, it would have been even more obvious if she'd bend over to pick up the dollar. Well, that's like, the thing. It's like, cause, cause like women, like one of the, one of the things <laughs> I always say that kind of help helps guys sort of put things into perspective is mm -hmm. like, if you think you have a, as a guy, it's like, if you think you have approach anxiety or whatever it is to like go meet a girl the girl has that anxiety times a thousand more than you have it seriously yes yeah i guess that makes sense think when a girl thinks yeah, like yeah. when a girl when a, a girl being like literally throwing herself at you is uh -huh. to maybe say hi Right, but it's it's actually yeah. more like I was throwing myself at him. What did you do? I stood near him and looked over once. <laughs> That's a girl like literally being as obvious as she can possibly be. Why? Why wouldn't? Why wouldn't a girl just go up and be like, "Hey, um, I I like you," right? They will never do that. Why? Because they're terrified, terrified of rejection, mm -hmm. way worse than you. They have wow. they have all That's, the same. That's very enlightening. This is a this is this is a huge thing. It's like guys, mm. for whatever reason, like see a girl who they find attractive, and assume that she's fucking perfect in every way, just because she happens to be hot. And it's like everything must be so amazing for her. It's like no, she has exactly the same neuroses and issues and um, and uh, f like fears 
and um, insecurities as you. In fact, worse, yeah. because if you think about it, a, like a, a, woman's, a woman's worth in, or a woman, how she perceives her worth and how society perceives her worth is almost exclusively to do with how, uh, how attractive her, uh, her physical body is. Right. Mm. So it's like, think about the, think about the, in, think about the insecurities that come with the fact it's like you that's were given. That's not the way it should be, but that's what our society teaches well, us. Whatever, that's how it is. Sure. Right? So we can deal with the world how we'd like it to be yeah. and constantly be disappointed by everybody. Mm -hmm. we can deal with how people actually act. It's like, I would like it if I could just tell a customer about how, how great my thing is and they'll just buy it. But that isn't how it fucking works. That isn't how people work. If I don't, if I don't pull them through a process where I, I gain their uh, attention and then I generate interest and I phrase everything, everything in terms of their, in terms of their benefits, and all the and, and benefits to them specifically, then, not, you know, and I, I, I create a seri a, an emotional journey for that person so they really uh, buy into what I'm selling, they're not going to be interested. As much as I'd like the world to be a certain way where it's like, oh, I should just be able to say what it is and then people will get it. Then, you know, if you, if you, if you behave in the, if you, interact with people and go around society based on how you would like things to be, then you will spend your life being very disappointed. I think that's, uh -huh. the, that's, a, yeah, that's yeah. a big, a that's a big thing with um, like the university education system, uh, which I was in um, is it's training people to think in a way it's creating a, it's creating a, a, a bubble and a culture and a way a, uh, a, an entire sort of existence for people that has nothing to do with how the real world is. Sure. Well, to I have this idea like, Oh, if I just have, you know, just, if I just have this, and if an idea is right, if an idea is closer to the truth, then it will just, then, then it, people will, it will just work. And it's like, nah, <laughs> nah. That is, if I'm just a, if I'm just a good person. That's not the real world. If I'm just a good, if I'm just real nice to everyone, then you know everything will be great for me. That is, that ain't how shit is, unfortunately. Um, just look at uh, some of the most successful people in business. You got Steve Jobs and all, Jeff Bezos. A lot of these people are assholes. They have to be in order to to succeed in life and business. Sometimes you well, just have to. I. I don't know that I don't know that there's a necess, there's necessarily a, a, a correlation one way or the other. I think that um, Steve Jobs' emotional outbursts actually show like a a, a, a la, there's some there's something going on with his mentality there that mm. um, you know showed that because it's I mean that's a ver, it's a very it's a very childish. Um, yeah, that is the actions of a child to to emotionally react to his emotional intelligence was probably very low, but his IQ right. was through the roof. Exactly, and that that's an, that's another thing, right? It's like we're we're obsessed we're we're obsessed with training people to to have a sort of yeah whatever a high IQ means, but mm -hmm. what what part of education is t is teaching people about uh, emotional intelligence or again like stuff like. 
you know, the uh, habits of highly successful people and all the rest of it. That should be taught in school. Yeah, and that also just a, a class on how to handle stress because going through college, I was so stressed out. And I actually lived, I lived in a, I went from living with my parents to living in a co-op with about 29 people, men and women. And we had parties all the time. It taught me, it got me out of my shell. I learned so much about just like being a social, being social, meeting people all the time. So that's one of the reasons that I really enjoyed college more than anything else. Yeah, I just, I, I, I dealt with. I out many times, but stuck to it. Now I have this you, really expensive piece of paper. What? What, what? what university did you go to? Michigan State University. Okay. Yeah, I've um, been done with school for six, about six years now. My mom did undergrad. My mom did undergrad at University of Michigan. Mm. Uh, and then go Wolverines. And then grad, and then grad at um, NYU Law. Wow, she's a smart lady. Um, we're all we're all smart in my family. Um, and uh, I was gonna I was I was gonna say something, but then I asked you where you went to university, and I lost it. Um, I would like to steer the conversation more into in terms of like the travel lifestyle and and kind of parlay that into the dating aspects because you know as i was traveling through south america i was constantly meeting people i stayed at hostels all the time um met so many people from all over the world a lot of people from london too uh englanders are everywhere germans too uh they love to travel but yeah so what what's some advice you can offer in terms of like you've obviously traveled over all over the world um what are some of your favorite countries? Well, that's a lot of questions. That's a lot of questions in one. Um, so, one so yeah. So like one of, one of, one of my big things is like um, when I, when I fully involved myself in the, uh, in the dating business, this was 2011. Um, mm -hmm. The, the uh, CEO of that business had been reading uh, the, uh, Tim Ferriss's for our work week, which I'm sure I just met recently met him. He, li he has oh, lives cool. here in Austin. He's in Finally Austin. I thought he was in yeah. the Bay area. Well, he is, but I think he has a house here. I'm sure he has houses oh, cool. all over the world. Um, how was that? How was, yeah. what was the, what was the circumstances of that? What was that like? So I was at going to Austin startup week, which happens every year. So there's speaking events at different, this was at a co-working space. In, near downtown Austin, and he was there specifically to see one of the speakers for the Founders Institute. And so, yeah, he was just standing in the audience, and obviously, I recognized him. He is so such a recognizable guy. So, I was standing right next to him, and I did kind of get that approach approach anxiety, like you're talking about. Only in this case, it's this really famous guy uh entrepreneur so i just went up to him and said hey tim it's great to finally meet you and i shook his hand it was that easy and then you know i was milling around talking to some other people and obviously there were tons there's a crowd of people crowd around him so i waited for them to leave and then i w went up to him i was also taking photos at the event so i took some photos of him with other people and gave him my business card just because nice. why not <laughs> so yeah it's great to finally meet him he's been a personal hero of mine for 
years. Yeah, he's like the his that book is like the Bible of the digital nomad. Yeah, exactly. So our work week. Uh, so yeah, so yeah. so the CEO was reading that when I first it was like in his bag when I first met him uh, mm -hmm. and did my and did my training, and so I was like, okay, I I realized like I kind of found after doing after doing the program and basically com like completely uh, changing my life. I was like, well, I want to help. I want to help you like expand this business. So I know that I saw that he had been reading that book, which I also read. I was like, cool. So I never so, finished the book. I don't, did I finish? I think I, I don't know if I should admit that, but uh, yeah, I never finished it. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's, it's not for everyone now. Now it's like, if I, if I went back and reread it, I'd be, it would probably just be like, well, yeah, duh. Like I've read, gone is significantly more advanced in terms of, you know, internet marketing and stuff like that. Like, and remember like he was right. writing that, he was writing that as a, as an interview book. So what's really interesting about Tim Ferriss is exactly that is actually very similar to uh, what Neil Strauss did is um, they wrote books, not from a place of um, actual authority, but they wrote interview books mm. about where they just asked other people who were successful in this area, how did you do that? And because that's of one of the reasons I launched this podcast. Yeah, because of the, the because of that because of gaining that because uh, those those books did very well. They essentially got the um, they got the kind of um, assumed authority by being sort of at the same roughly on the same level as mm -hmm. the people that they had been interviewing. Oh, that's um, interesting. And so they became like, because, you know, um, Tim, Tim Ferriss wasn't at the time, like he was just asking people who were living a digital nomad lifestyle, how they were doing it. He wasn't doing it. And he had no, he wasn't saying anything about like, oh, I did, I know how to do this. It was just an, in, it was just an interview book. So yeah, I think um, and he really got his start uh, at South by Southwest back in 2011 or whatever. And nobody knew him, but he was just hanging out at the different uh, in, in the conference with all the successful people, and then yeah. kind of so, built I mean, a reputation from there. And I think that's that's a that's a a good thing. That's a good thing to think about because I think a, a lot of people a lot of people hold. I know I've I've done this um, I've done this many many times, um, mm -hmm. and a lot of people do this where you hold yourself back from putting. Stuff, content out there or things that would help people or putting out an offer or like really Asking going all in on a date. Yeah. Really going all in on a, on a, on a business. Um, and you're, you're doing it because you're like, well, I'm no, you know, I'm no guru. Like I'm not, who am I to sort of say, yeah, that that's, help called, that's called imposter, imposter syndrome. syndrome. Yeah. Or it's like self-sabotage where you yeah, don't think you're worthy of the, the respect. Exactly. And the thing is like, if you just look at, look at those and a lot of, a lot of people write books like that and they, they do really well. Um, I think James Clear is another really good example. He, he brought out a book this year called Atomic Habits, which is excellent, um, which I'm going to be teaching. I'm going to teach all the way through that book uh, in my, in my coaching group because it's a very, very powerful way of like, learning how to form new new habits which is kind of the basis of what the group is about and so again like that book is another well, good one is power of habit have you read that one by charles duhigg no oh you should I'll check that, that out it's really i will good. do 
Um, so yeah, but like those books, they're not claiming to be like they are, they're big and they're going on whatever podcasts and they're speaking and all the rest of it. But the book that they wrote was like, they want, they want an authority and they want an expert at all. They were just interviewing other people who were, that was it. So like, you don't yeah. have to be, a, you don't have to be an expert. You don't have to be a guru. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have figured it all out. In fact, some of the most, some of the most compelling, like the, cause the, if, if you think about the people that you follow or you're on their list or whatever it is, most of the time, I would say, if you think about it, are you following someone who's like millions of times ahead of you and is like an ultra super guru or whatever, and they're just constantly whatever mailing you or, 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 or sending you videos going like, look at, you know, I made another million dollars to whatever, or are you following people who are kind of on a journey and what you like about it is that they share the journey that they're on uh -huh. and they share, especially their like stuff they screwed up and times they failed and like where they share, like where they came from and how much they yeah. used to suck. And sure. right. Like that's what, that's what's compelling for people. So it's like, you can do that. Like that you have some air, there's some area, there's something that you have uh, knowledge or mastery. Yeah. Doesn't even have to be, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't have, have to, to be mastery. mastery. Not even that close. Like 10,000 hours or more. Some, well, there's, there's a lot of, dispute so they say. About, there's a lot of dispute about whether the, whether that uh. 10,000 hour thing is actually, is actually true. There's a great Ted talk called the first 20 hours actually. Um, well, I'll have to check that out, which is, where he says like, yeah, 10,000 hours maybe, but really mo like a lot of skills, you can get 80% of the way to like competence in 20 hours. Sure, and so, there's so much stuff online that where you can f for learn for free. Exactly, you don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure about the, the 10,000 hour. But anyway, um, yeah, mm -hmm. you don't have to be close to mastery. What you have to, all you have to be is, you've, you've had some experience, you've come through some kind of challenge, you've looked into some area a little bit more than the average person and you enjoy sharing it or helping people with it. That's it. Absolutely. Just share, so, just start sharing that stuff. Yeah. And you can always learn from the experts. That's one of the reasons I launched this podcast is to talk. I've, I realized that, you know, I don't have it all figured out, obviously no one does, but if I can learn from, from other mentors, that will get me a step closer to being where I want to be. So I'm planning on making a trip to hopefully Bali, Indonesia early next year, once I can save up enough money to reasonably, you know, just take, take off. Um, right now my home base is Austin, Texas, but it's getting really expensive to live here. And I've wanted to go to Bali for a long time. I have a bunch of friends over there and it's kind of a, a hotbed for the digital nomad movement. So what advice would you have for people that are, that want to be a full-time digital nomad, but are just afraid to take that, take that next leap, either buy one way plane ticket or make reservations somewhere. Well, what I'm not, what I'm like, I think too many, there's a lot of people out there that are giving the advice, the, basically the advice of like burn the bridges and that's mm. maybe compatible with their personality type where they just have to do that in order to, to take action. Otherwise, if they're, if they're comfortable enough, they're not going to do it. When but you say I'm, burn the bridges, what do you mean exactly? So, so like a lot of people say that, I think to, like Tony Robbins said it once and now everybody says it. 
but it's basically the idea, like, so, so the phrase comes from the, uh, the, tr the troops of, I want to say the Romans, I'm not sure, but one particular army, they would land, they would land on wherever they were going to conquer and then they'd burn, they'd burn their boats. And so huh. it's like, there's no way to go back. You have to now uh, either win this, you have to either win this battle yeah. or die. But that's, those are your only two options. Um, so it prevents, it basically prevents the opportunity to, to be like, oh, I'll just not do that. Like, I'll just- Yeah, retreat. so that's, that's why I would choose to buy a one-way plane ticket instead of a round trip. Yeah, Because I so, want to have the freedom and flexibility to travel long-term. I'd like to backpack through Southeast Asia for six months. And I don't yeah. know when I'm gonna come back. So, uh, so I mean, it's I, risky. What I'd say is like it, it depend it depends on where on where that person is. But like what I would say is for most for most people, the the I'm not gonna I'm not gonna like me me personally based on my experience and 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 kind of the stuff I've done in general when I when I personally keep try to keep one foot in something and then one foot in something else and kind of do, you know, try to get something up, you know, whatever, one particular business going, whatever, while I've got, like, while I've had the, the very few normal jobs or whatever in an office that I've had, <laughs> um, uh -huh. that it, it hasn't really worked for me because I've just been, I've just been comfortable enough to kind of have a sort of couple of side gigs. And that's, that's like sort of good enough. And I don't really, I don't really push myself to go all in on one of them. Sure. Uh, so for me, like the, the, the advice is like, you know, uh, whatever, burn, burn the boats and stuff like that. But what I'd say is like for, to, for, for the average person, I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to tell them to do that because it's very, it's probably more likely that they could get, uh, they could get better results and limit their limit their risk uh, significantly by staying in their whatever whatever job they're currently doing now. Maybe mm -hmm. try to figure out a way of doing fewer hours or whatever it is while you build some kind of uh, second business that you. Uh, sure, that, that makes a lot of sense. And like, that's kind of the position I'm in right now. I've, I hired a credit repair company, so they're working to get charges removed from my history so that then eventually, hopefully a few months down the road, I can get a credit card. Are they good? Loan. Yeah, it's called Lexington Law. All right, I'm going to, because I've been using, I've been using one and I'm not super happy with. Oh, really? Well, Lexington Law is considered to be one of the best by most reputable I'm sources. Open, I'm going to open it. So, so far they've removed about half of the charges. Wow. I'm still waiting on it. And that, this is actually preventing me from renting an apartment because I have a broken lease from like three years ago. Um, that's, so it's, it's, I'm struggling to breaking find. A, breaking a lease yeah. gets on your credit? Oh, that's gay. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, they put it in a collection agency. Long story. <laughs> so but hopefully it will be removed soon. Um, but yeah, so what, I, what I'd say is like, ideally what you want to do is mm. create, uh, create some kind, some kind of, uh, business where it's as as highly leveraged as possible in terms of your time 
or ideally not even better than leverage is that you create something where there is no there is no correlation between the amount of money that you make and the amount of hours that you spend working. Passive income. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean passive income. I think Not passive income is a is a, actually is a myth because even if you have, um, you know, if I have a if I have a, a funnel that's uh, that's set up and I go to sleep and I wake up and while I was asleep a bunch of people were able to buy something, then you could- That's every that's, entrepreneur's dream. That's, that's well, money I mean, when you sleep. it's not, it's, it's, it's been, it's been my reality for since 20, 2011 or 2012. But the thing is, is that for every, for every time someone does that or whatever, like for every thing that enables you, like people call that passive income, but you have to, you have to set up the funnel which is an investment of time sure. and energy and effort, you have to, you have to uh, cultivate a, a list of people who are interested in, in what you have to offer. You have to yeah. give, deliver them value in terms of something when they sign up and, and continue to email them at least once a week so that they remember who the fuck you are. Sure. And um, you, have to, you have to fulfill whatever that, whatever that product is um, whatever thing that they're, they're able to buy like from anywhere in the world, whenever and stuff like that, um, you have to create whatever that thing is and, fu and fulfill on it. So if it's a, if it's a, if it's a, a, an ebook or whatever, you have to actually write the ebook. That's, that takes a bunch of time. So there is no, there is no like, and again, it's like, if you think, if you think fucking profit owning property is passive income, then I, I got something to tell you, buddy, because bad news to share. there's a lot of, there's a lot of, crap that goes into doing all of that and you you know you yeah you hire a management company and all the rest of it and you then you're then you're paying you know whatever 15 percent to them and then your um then your yield is is terrible so what no, if you don't have to what if you don't have to own property and you can get other people to host their property on airbnb for example so this is something i was doing while traveling for about 10 months it's the uh, referral program through airbnb so essentially, I was emailing my contact list, blasting out an email. The email came directly from Airbnb. I was getting them to host out their property. And then I was making $200 for every new host. So this is something I could do anywhere in the world. It is, I would consider it pretty much the definition of passive income. Yeah, but that's the thing. It's like, I, I, still, don't, I still don't believe that's passive income because you have to cultivate, you have to cultivate that list of people. Yeah, well, you I was... You're putting it directly from Gmail. All my contacts right. from Gmail. That, again, that's, you do that, and then you have that. You have that list, and you email them, and you get a few sales in, right? Uh -huh. But that requires you to go and do that, and you only get yeah. that. You only get that a few times, and then you've then you've got rid of your. Then you've got rid of. That's true. You've, you've used your list, right? They've everybody who saw that and is interested has cl already clicked through and bought. And then the only way to keep making money from that is to keep replenishing that list. So then list. you have to keep building that list. You still have to do what there is no way of just There's not still doing work, work involved. Of course, there Nothing's was one, free. there was one that there, there used to be a way to the, the closest thing to what's actually passive income is when you had a, when you, when interest rates existed and then you put money in a bank and they would just pay you interest. Mm -hmm. That's the closest thing or you own stocks that pay a dividend. 
that's the closest yeah, thing. Yeah, but guess what? Point. The average, the, the, like a really good dividend is 6% a year. So that's, that's, that's yeah. the closest thing to passive income. You don't have to do any work at all. The money just comes in. But other than that, guess what? You have to, you have to set, like the difference is, is that um, a, a high leverage task is something where you, you put a small amount of time in and you get, a, you get a big result, right? So there's two, there's two, there's two high leverage skills that anybody who's, a, anybody who's an entrepreneur needs to learn. One is, one is sales, specifically yep. high ticket sales. The second is copywriting. Those are the two highest leverage uh, skills that you can, you can have and entrepreneurs should develop both of them. Um, but the separately apart from high, apart from high leverage skills is setting, setting things up in a way where there is no car. As I said, there's no correlation between the number of hours you work in per day and the amount of money that you make. So for example, setting up, setting up a sales funnel is one of those things. There is work involved, but there is no correlation between once you set it up, you do not have to keep working on that funnel sure. in order for it to generate money for you. But now and even once you have the funnel set up, you have to run either Facebook ads or exactly. something. And then again, but Facebook ads is another thing as well. That's probably that's another, that's probably money. another high leverage skill as well, where, um, you know, once you have a campaign, can all again, funnel set up, campaign set up, like all that stuff, there's a big, there's a significant investment at the, uh, you know, at the front end uh, uh-huh. of, the, uh, of the time. But, yeah, something like Facebook ads. Once you once you have set up the campaign and it's running, you probably only need to check it once every couple of days, and make sure it's going, and then maybe scale it and whatever. So yeah, I have a lot of experience running Facebook ads for my own photography business too. I probably spent five thousand dollars over the past few years, and I just, I just haven't seen any tangible results. Uh, like, that's because five thousand five thousand dollars over over a few enough. years is nothing. Yeah. So start spending five thousand uh, dollars a month, mm-hmm. and then scale to five thousand dollars a day, and then you'll actually learn something. Um, so, so yeah. So what I'd so my first my first recommendation would be um, create some, you know create something uh, while you'll still have one foot in what your you know your current job or whatever, just to sure. have that level of security and 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 reduce your risk. The second thing is that's a really good point. Actually think about like what kind of, like what kind of life do you, I think, I I think we were talking about this before we even started recording, but people sort of, they see someone it's like, Oh, digital nomad lifestyle. And they like go like, Oh, I want that too. Cause that person has, it's like, what do you actually want? Like how much time do you want in an ideal world? How much time do you want to spend working in a day? What are you doing in those hours that you're not working? And what does that work actually look like? Like what type of work would you love to do? And it wouldn't feel like work to you. And for different people, that's different, right? For me, like this, having having a conversation with you doesn't feel like work to me. So I'll do this all, if my whole day is just- I'll take that as a compliment. Yeah, it's just yeah, specifically because it's you. Most people I hate. <laughs> speaking to you is is amazing. Well, um, I appreciate it. So likewise, uh, but but in general, like like having a conversation like this doesn't feel like work to me. So if I if I'm looking at how do I want to set up a business, and this is what I've done with um, the you know the group coaching and stuff that I that I've set up, I've specifically set it up because I know that the best 
the way I can provide value to people and be doing something that doesn't feel like work and I enjoy doing is by getting people on a Zoom call like this and then they ask me questions and I give them the answer. And if they're paying me to do that, then I'm winning because I love doing that. For somebody else, that could be the what, like apps, they'd be terrified of having all these people there and they have to think up answers to questions. They don't have everything all written down and they don't have a presentation and they don't have slides and it's not all pre-prepared and they don't like, they don't like public speaking. They don't like doing this. And that would be a terrible I'm terrified of public speaking. Up. I'd much rather do a podcast with someone behind. Yeah. So, know, I mean, at, like everybody's different. So the, the question is, is like, mm -hmm. if you, if, so I, I know, I know um, a bunch of uh, very successful people who are, uh, who are great copywriters. They're quite introverted by name. I know a lot of copywriters. Um, for whatever reason. Um, Mike, Mike Dillard is, he has his and, own podcast here in Austin. Yeah, there you go. So he's, he's, he's an So some, some people like, they don't necessarily want to spend a lot of time sort of interacting or speaking to people. And so their idea, like that, if you're that type of person, like you learn that high leverage skill and then you just go, okay, every day I want to write um, in the morning between 9am and, and noon. And, mm -hmm then I want the rest of the t I want the rest of the day to myself every day. And I don't want to work on Saturday, Sunday. If that's the life that you want, then I know lots of people that are, that are making seven figures a year, just doing that. Wow. Right. So, so there's not, there's absolutely nothing. On you. The question, the, the, the trick is, is in order to do that, you have to find the absolute, the absolute, uh, best clients who you're going to be able to get a result for and yeah. just spend time delivering, delivering on those or create your own, uh, create your own products where you're, where you're teaching people through the medium that you enjoy teaching. So you're, you're writing to them, right? You're just writing them, e writing them emails, um, or, uh, cold calling. well, no, but cold calling, for that, that type of person, don't, don't, yeah. you're that type of person, yeah. cold calling would be a terrible idea. If your, business, if your business, if your success, if your business's success was based on you having to force yourself to do something that you hate doing, you're not going yeah. to be happy. No, no. That's and the I, point. I personally I, can't stand me. Cold if if half of my if half of my week is is calls with prospects to close them on a program, that's fine. I love having those calls. Okay. Right, but a lot like for me, if, it would make more sense just to hire someone and outsource it. Yeah, to a or, virtual or, assistant. Or outsource the thing, or just design a business where you don't, with that, you don't have to do that. Like you can mm -hmm. go. I know, I know, um, uh, uh, my buddy Carlos, who um, get, actually gained the social freedom to be able to close deals and do all this kind of stuff from doing um, from doing uh, some of my material like years ago. He he just goes on Messenger and posts like writes stuff on Facebook and then and then gets on Messenger chat with people and closes closes $10,000 a month deals Ooh. on Messenger. That's amazing. Right? If you don't want, if you don't enjoy speaking mm -hmm. to people, you don't have to set up a business that, that requires you to get on the call. But the thing is, is that it makes sense for me and my business because the value that I provide in a, it, it itself, the actual thing that people are buying is speaking to me. <laughs> so it'd be <laughs> weird. It doesn't make, it wouldn't make sense if sure. I was like, I'm going to write this whole sales letter like, or somebody else is going to write a whole sales letter in my voice to sell, to sell a thing, which is 
which is interacting with me. I should just put myself on video and whatever, and then get on calls with people who are qualified and speak to them because that makes sense in terms of logical sequence. So like, oh, come to the thing where every week you get to speak to me again and you know, I'll give you, I'll give you answers and, 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 and share advice and help you out. And if they don't like the sound of my voice and hate me, then great, <laughs> because that way I'll, I'll, have a, I'll have a bad student in the thing who doesn't like the program and will refund it. So, right, but if, if, you're, if, you're an in, if you're an introverted person, then you want to look at, um, you know, am I doing copywriting? Am I doing web design? Am I doing funnel design? Am I, doing, am I running Facebook ads? Am I running uh, YouTube ads? Whatever it is. And you want to design a business around how can I get people who are qualified or whatever to buy this thing through a system where I don't have to do anything that I, that isn't my, my zone of genius and what I enjoy doing. And then exactly. how can I figure out whatever system I need to figure out that's going to enable me to, me to do that. And there's no, there is no wrong way, but the, the, the worst wrong way that I see people do is they look at somebody else and somebody else's business and somebody else's life and go, Oh, that looks cool. I'll do, I'll just copy that without thinking of themselves of like, well, what do I actually, what do I actually want? Um, well, how do I want my life to be? And people design, they literally, they don't think, and they create a whole business. I've seen this. I've, I have, I have friends who've done this. They create whatever, like an, an, an ads agency, right? Like a whole ads agency. And then, Three years in, they go. I hate my. I hate this. I hate my life. I hate doing oh, this. After they invested so <laughs> like much there's time, mo there's money. There's money coming in, and they're successful, but they want to kill themselves. Yeah. What's the fucking I, point? Yeah, I hear what you're saying. That's that's how I feel with my own photography business. I'd rather just be free to focus on my art instead of constantly finding clients all the time. It's terrible. I don't. I don't enjoy the process. So it would make more sense to just hire someone or outsource it or yeah, hire someone to do all that for me. My, my, so, my thing, um, my thing, the, 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 the United States or anywhere. The other thing around that as well is like, as well as actually enjoying the thing that you're doing also actually really want to like and want to serve the people that you're serving. Sure. So a, yeah, huge, yeah. a huge thing that, that I've, I've seen that, that, that people are not doing and struggling with is they're not, they're not picking a niche. Like they're not picking a type of person and a type of problem or solution that they actually want to help that person with. Um, or, or also it goes back to the conversation we were having earlier about quantity over quality. Who is your target customer? What is that? Your, well, here's what, and here's I don't have what's, a niche either. Here's what's par a paradoxical thing that is, that is, there's a paradoxical thing that is true. Again, it's one of those things that's true for, for business and dating um, is when you, when you don't pick a niche. And so you're basically trying to market to everybody. Mm, you yeah. actually get they're fewer people no coming in than if you picked a, what seems like a very narrow niche of very specific people. And also what I found is, the more clear I uh, have become and the more clear that uh, my students get on what, what are the quality, like what type of girl do they actually want and what qualities are they, do they want her to have and what are, they, what are they really attracted to. And the more like really clear they are on that, the more 
those girls, the more they notice that girl, and the more ah. they actually attract that type of girl as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the. That, also, like if you're if you're that, thinking about a particular car, for example, you see that car everywhere. Exactly, and pe- people people describe it like in 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 Psycho Cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz, which is a great which is a great book. He describe he describes it scientifically and how you just did um, versus like a lot of people talk about this thing of like oh you know uh, you create your reality and like if you're putting out stuff and you're like manifesting it, it's like well maybe, but yeah, it's more just like once you're clear on that stuff, you're you're more attuned to it. So you'll just you'll be you'll be more aware of it, and that's uh-huh. a, that's a huge thing. It's like guys are everybody's walking around on their phone, and they're tuning out every yeah. single opportunity they could possibly have to connect with somebody and meet somebody and have create an opportunity and start that conversation. That's the world we're living in nowadays. Yeah, it's, and it's like it's if, a constant distraction. There's always getting you get a dopamine hit every time a, a beep comes in or you get a new text message. Yeah, that's that's the We're always using it for social validation too. In like, terms oh, of likes this post get blah blah blah. In terms of it's, in terms uh, of productivity, if you're already if you're already like working on your own business and stuff like that, yeah, the mm-hmm. biggest thing is just turn just never have any no notifications, no sound, nothing. Like my phone my phone has yeah. been my phone has been on silent with no notifications and no beeps for eight years. And my mom hates it, but I'm just like, <laughs> I, no. I'm not going to, I will not get back to you immediately, ever. I won't. Unless it's like a proper, unless like a proper emergency. I'm not. Like, I, because, and, that, and that's it. That's a, that's a huge thing, which is what like, if you're creating. out what's not important. If you're, if, if you're, if you're creating a, if you're wanting to create a so-called freedom business so that you can have the freedom to travel and whatever it is, then why on earth would you, would you spend your time and build your day around the priorities of other people? Mm-hmm. It makes no sense. The, the whole, the whole thing, like that's what, like you might, might as well just have a job where you just, whatever somebody else is telling you to do, just do that. They're constantly checking your email and if- you're, there's so many demands on your attention. They're pulling you this way and that, and it's like a lot of spam junk that you don't even really need to see. So this actually goes into my next question, which is how what, do you have like a set of morning rituals that you do every day when you wake up? Um, That's a great question. I I've noticed a mindfulness that, practice or something like that. Yeah, I've noticed a, a, a huge a huge huge change for me was when I I started doing that. Um, as as religiously as I could. So I started it with um, about, I want to say three years ago, I started it by just doing five minutes of breathing in the morning. And the reason that I was doing that wasn't just because it was breathing on its own, but it was to get my heart rate variability. I don't know if you know ah. that, HRV. Um, but there's a, there's, a, there's a bunch of apps for it. Um, and I think the one that I was using at the time was called HRV Elite, and you connect it to a heart rate monitor that you just strap on your um, strap to yourself, so it's over your heart. And you have a Fitbit, uh, something nah, similar. No, through that. Um, 
I use a, like a prop. It's like a heart rate variability monitor. It's straps to straps around your, your ah. midsection and over it's over your heart. And, um, it connects hmm. via Bluetooth to a, to an app. That's very and, cool. Uh, the, there was, there's a lot, there's a lot of fairly sound science to suggest that, uh, increasing heart rate variability, uh, extent basically extends lifespan and, and is uh, like heart rate variability is one of the is one of the most solid markers for um cardiovascular health and and longevity and all kinds of stuff way better than something like cholesterol which is total bullshit um so instead so, of like so, maybe to, instead of drinking coffee to get your heart rate up it's better to go well, for it's a not, job so it's not it's, it's not to increase out. heart rate it's to increase heart rate variability i.e the ah. difference the difference between your high it's it's the variability of the highest rate of, uh, uh, of heart rate to the lowest. Hmm. So, and if you think about it, it makes sense, right? Because it's like, um, you, if you, if you're decreasing your resting heart rate, which is a, again, a very, a very strong sign of cardiovascular, um, health and then you're doing, you're doing exercise. Um, if your body's react, able to react quickly to needing, needing to increase heart rate in order because you're doing exercise then your variability will will increase right so it's just showing that your that your um uh your both sides of your nervous system are basically switched on it's it's a it's a it's it's very interesting so i anyway i started doing i started measuring that and to measure that you take a five minute reading in the morning so i thought oh, i'll do some and it, it shows you on the app like breathe in breathe out breathe in breathe out so i would just follow that and it became kind of a little breathing and a little meditation. Um, Cause I always suck. Like I never, I was like, Oh, I can't meditate because in my mind, meditation is like, Oh, sort of thinking about nothing. Yeah. Um, but that's not the right. That's just I didn't, rather that's, to dismiss course, the thought, recognize and, it. Like, um, but I didn't, I didn't know. I was like, I can't do it. Um, so do you use this, any meditation apps like headspace or calm? No, there's so many, no, I've never, I, I've never done, I've never you like, I've never done, uh, I'd never done sort of any meditation or anything like that, but having the thing of just like breathe in, breathe out was, a was quite, it is quite a meditative thing. It's more like a, it's like a guided breathing, guided meditation thing. Very, very simple. Breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out. Anybody can do that. So I got uh -huh. into there's, that. There's also mantras that you can repeat apparently like when you say this, it, you breathe out those can be helpful as well. Um, Just like a, a phrase that you repeat over and over in your head. Oh, you're meditating. Um, yeah, I did again. Yeah. I, I was starting at zero. So that was a good start for me. Um, and, uh, then I started adding sort of bits and pieces to that. So now, uh, I do, I do a couple of different, uh, guided meditations. Again, I still, the idea of just sort of, not not i i for me personally i need a thing that something that's guiding me or like think about this versus just like completely clear your mind i just can't i'm not i'm not okay. able to do that so um and if you can then that's great um so i like to have like a certain thing where i've been taught a meditation where i'm going to guide myself and imagine something and think about something or whatever it is and then often i'm I actually pull out really cool things um, out of those meditations that that enable me to uh, to create content and uh, and stuff like that. And I do find it it significantly 
makes me significantly more productive. So the first, the first one awesome. is, is a, is a called the second self meditation. That's by Ian Stanley. Um, and I don't know where you can find that. If you buy one of his things, I think he gives it to you. I don't know. Um, but he, he, uh, he taught that at, uh, his Lionheart workshop, which he no longer runs. So you won't be able to, to get it there, but I'm sure you can find it somewhere. And, um, the second one is a meditation by a guy called Ryan Pinnock, who's a, uh, who's a really interesting coach here in the, uh, in the UK. He's from South Africa and he teaches, it, uh, around this concept that he calls super consciousness, which is essentially, um, showing like he shows people in his in his workshops and stuff that you can that you can connect to the universe people yeah what people call like whatever the unit the universal consciousness or whatever it is uh-huh. and you can uh you can whatever knowledge so where i came where i came to the, where he came to this was from a book called the Kabbalion, um which was written at the beginning of the last century, like 1913 or something. It's a really interesting book. I came to it through a book called Power Versus Force uh, by Dr. David Hawkins, um, where he talks about how one method by which you can connect to the universal consciousness and get get answers and answer questions and all kinds of stuff. So he teaches he teaches a method for uh, being able to connect to that. So and what he recommends is every morning can like connect to your vision of what it is that you want. Um, and you know, you'll get some, you'll get something, you'll get some, some answers, some, some representation, something which you can use to make sure like, well, what am I, what am I doing? Um, what am I doing today? What am I doing this week? What am I doing this month? That's getting me closer to what I actually want. Um, yeah. and then, because the, the biggest thing for me is like, if I'm, if I'm going to invest time and energy and effort and stuff, I want to make sure that I'm moving closer to what I actually want, not just sort of spinning my wheels or busying myself with something that looks like work, but isn't actually work or work smart, not worse, hard. even worse. What I just, what I said earlier, um, moving me closer to creating something that when I end up there, I'm like, Oh, I don't want this. And I hate this. <laughs> which is what a lot of people are doing. So, um, so yeah, so, so, um, two sort of guided meditations and stuff like that. Another, another great guy for, uh, for sort of guided meditations and stuff to do with that is Jesse Elder, who's in Austin as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's a good friend of mine. Um, in fact, I'm going to one of his parties next month. Oh, cool. Say hi from me. Yeah, I will do. Um, and yeah, he, he was a mutual friend. Um, yeah. So he's, he's, yeah, he's fantastic. Fantastic guy. Um, and yeah, he does some great stuff and I think he has some fairly reasonably priced bits and pieces out online these days. Yeah, there's, a, there's, a form of, there's also a form of light therapy, which he had set up at his house at the, the last party I was at. Um, so he throws house parties with, um, the guy that helps him with his podcast. His name's Alex Murphy, which I, I may be interviewing him on the podcast soon as well. But they had this light machine set up, which I've tried before. I didn't try it this time. But essentially, it like shines a really bright, focused beam of light into your, onto your pineal gland, mm. the third eye, as it's called. And you go in and you see all these amazing, kind of like very colorful visualizations. And it's a form of pretty intense meditation. 
and yeah it's when you come out you just feel so relaxed and in touch with your body and everything pretty amazing that's cool i'll definitely i'll definitely check that out when i'm next time i'm in austin yeah and it only lasts jesse get out the machine (laughs) it's called light pump um but it only lasts about 10 minutes but it feels like an hour yeah so it's almost like a hallucinogenic experience like doing like like dmt why i love it so much it only lasts five minutes but there's no drugs involved so it's it's uh even better or worse depending on how much you like drugs (laughs) Uh, yeah um everything in moderation including moderation Mm -hmm. very cool so it was great chatting with you yeah dude thanks for having uh, me where, where no problem where can we find more information about you online instagram uh, you can you can go to ryanblack.us uh that's my site uh the uh the group coaching the brotherhood is ryanblack.us/brotherhood and i'm also Do you have a facebook group i'm i'm yes uh if you if you find me online ryan black it should be a picture that looks something like me um, then just hit me up on there. I'll, I'll, I'll add you into the group. Um, and, um, I'm also on Instagram, Ryan black dating, but I, I don't really do much Instagramming at the moment. I'm not really fully, uh, on that profile. I'm more of a, I'm more of a, uh, fa- I, I quite like Facebook. Um, I, Same here. I, I as a photographer, to, I also have to be on Instagram. Yeah. Oh yeah. You have to definitely, definitely have to be on Instagram for work. Um, Sure. But uh, yeah, I just I I post I post stuff just from my personal profile and um and share stuff in that group and that's kind of my that's kind of my jam. Awesome. Well, it was great chat with you, Ryan. Thank you. We've been chatting so long. We started wisdom. we started when it was daytime for me, and it's now nighttime for me. I noticed. Yeah, the sun was going down on your face. It's uh it's only twelve twelve thirty here in Austin. Yeah, it's like it's like six thirty. It's like six thirty. I I'm actually gonna. Uh, I'm actually going to now have to go to the gym at the worst time to go to the gym at 6:30 on a on a weekday when everybody's there. Oh no. I wish you the best of luck. It was worth it and though. Hopefully this you can fun. pick up some ladies while you're there. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks so much for listening to this episode of Digital Nomad Ventures. Feel free to subscribe if you enjoy the podcast. And I was just chatting with Ryan Black who is a dating coach based in London, UK. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be releasing another episode next week. Have a great day.